Marino racing back the other way for the Hawks. Through center ice and over the Penguin line, left wing. Drops it off Corey Perry. Put it over. Shot by Dickinson. Score! The veterans get it done. Felino, Perry, and Dickinson on the finish. Finish, finish. From the downtown studios of WGN Radio, time to talk hockey. I feel like that was a complete game. We played the full 60. We uh, stuck to our game plan. We played a hard game. Time to talk Hawks. Management's done a great job of trying to build depth, not just being draft picks. It's what we have here now. It's time for Blackhawks Live. Here's Joe Brand. Welcome into another edition of Blackhawks Live. Coming off... An exciting home opener at the United Center that didn't quite have the ending that we were all hoping for, but a nice glimpse into the future and just another example of how well this team can compete with some of the stronger opponents in the NHL, which, by the way, they continue to keep being matched up against. It's not going to let up. The next game against the Boston Bruins, again, Later on this week against the Vegas Golden Knights again. You visit the Arizona Coyotes next Monday, but then later on next Saturday, the Blackhawks will be hosting the Florida Panthers. There's not quite a breather to begin this year, but talking with one of the Blackhawks earlier today, he mentioned how that can be a positive for this team. I'm Joe Brand. This is Blackhawks Live. Our producer is Jack Heinrich. We do this every week, typically Monday nights, but every once in a while because of a Blackhawks game or a Northwestern game or something else, I don't know, like the spooktacular, we will uh, move things over a day or two. But tonight, we're here to talk about the most recent game against the Vegas Golden Knights in which the Hawks fell 5-3 the upcoming week. And we sit down with Jason Dickinson, a guy who was brought over to the Blackhawks organization looking to benefit from a scene change. And this is another example of what Kyle Davidson is capable of. The Blackhawks general manager just does a very good job of evaluating talent for what the Hawks need at the moment. We're already seeing a lot of great things with the young draft picks, the younger players. I mean, Kevin Korczynski seems to be the real deal. But there's little pieces and little things that Kyle Davidson has done in the past. Sam Lafferty being one of them. Jason Dickinson is another. A guy that did pretty well in Dallas, went over to Vancouver, didn't do so hot. But Kyle Davidson saw how he could flourish in this Blackhawks organization. And this was before this year. Now, this season... And it's a little ironic we talked to him today when the lines got shuffled up and there are some updates that we'll bring you in a moment. But Jason Dickinson isn't currently on the same line still as Nick Foligno and Corey Perry because there has been some tinkering going on. But it's been that line that has proved how much more depth the Blackhawks have offensively now. Opening night, that was their third line. That's a much different third line than last season. The update for you is Taylor Hall didn't practice today. He's going back to being week-to-week. And Luke Richardson mentioned today that he's going to be missing a couple of games. The last time he went down for one game, they originally listed him as week-to-week, and he kind of worked his way into going into day-to-day and was a quick turnaround, a quick healer. Colin Blackwell, Philip Kurashev competed fully in practice for the first time since both of them went down. Uh, For Colin Blackwell, it's his first time 
being a full participant in practice since last season. He actually got a little emotional in the dressing room today after practice, and rightly so. I mean, Colin Blackwell is a grinder, another guy that was brought over to this Hawks organization a year ago because he could fill a role, fill a place, and now all of a sudden, after the Hawks win the draft rights for Connor Bedard and have Kevin Korchinski and Wyatt Kaiser make the team and get a little bit deeper on their offensive side, guys like Colin Blackwell, Mackenzie Entwistle, Reese Johnson, Boris Kachuk, they're all fighting for roster spots. Colin Blackwell's had to be on the outside looking into all of this. He finally gets to practice today, and he just kind of lets it all out. How, after dealing with surgery last year, he hit a couple of setbacks. So he wasn't able to be a full go. He said he, he didn't get the summer to prepare like everyone else did. He didn't get the training camp to prepare. And then on top of it, the team goes on the road for as long as they did to begin the season. Philip Kurishev mentioned how that was really tough mentally to deal with that because he just wants to be a part of the team. He wants to do his normal role. But he couldn't because of his wrist injury. But again, good to see Blackwell and Kurishev both on the ice tonight. Kurishev was not on that second line with Lucas Reichel and Andreas Athanasiu. Luke Richardson just wants to make sure he eases Philip Kurishev back into that spot. But I do want to bring up a couple of the calls we got Saturday night on the post-game show. Again, if you were at the game on Saturday, home opener, what a pregame ceremony. What an anthem. What a tribute to Rocky Wirtz. And then what a first 90 seconds into the game. A storybook start. Connor Bedard, his first goal at the United Center. 90 seconds in, right as the power play begins. One of his signature moves, just a stellar shot with a great finish. And the United Center goes crazy. Or as our own John Wideman says, was up for grabs. The Hawks kept up with Vegas for the first two periods. And then things quickly went south in the third period. We had a couple of calls specifically complaining about Seth Jones and Connor Murphy. Listen, I open the floor to anybody. 312-981-7200. You can call, you can text anytime and every time on this show, on the post-game show. We want to hear from you. We want to hear you complain. If there's something on your mind, please use this as the floor. There's there's some rules. It's still radio. We still have to deal with the FCC and all that, but, but the floor is yours in a way. My point is, complaining about a mistake by Seth Jones or Connor Murphy that have directly led to a goal shows that we're back to talking about competitive hockey. And there's a want, there's a drive, there's a standard that you Blackhawks fans are looking for and are are kind of returned to now. All of a sudden... You feel these games are winnable, and they are. Not every game. Not the game in Colorado. That one was rough. We can talk about all the excuses, but that was just just a rough game. Rough game to watch. But I think even the Hawks themselves understand the separation of those two teams. And again, this schedule is not lightening up. But to see the Hawks compete with Vegas for a solid 40 minutes is what you want to see from this team. Yeah, you want to see a full 60 minutes. But Vegas is a team that's going to take advantage of mistakes. And yeah, I'm with you. 
I, I think Seth Jones could have done a little more on the first goal that began the third period. But how about Connor Bedard, the 18-year-old, taking blame for that? Later on, there was a turnover by Connor Murphy that led to the next goal for Vegas, gave him a two-goal advantage. But I'll go back to it. Connor Murphy is the reason why the Hawks got their second goal against the Vegas Golden Knights. And these aren't to justify. I mean, those mistakes are there. Those flaws are there. And I guarantee you that Luke Richardson is pointing those out during film. And that's actually something we talked to Jason Dickinson about, how much he appreciates the way that Luke Richardson approaches looking at film. But in a way, it's good to hear Blackhawks fans complaining about one small play that leads to a goal that leads to losing the game. I don't think it's that direct. I don't think it's that step-by-step causation. I think there's a whole lot more to go into why the Hawks fell to Vegas by two goals. But in a way, that's kind of what you want, isn't it, Blackhawks fans? You want for this team to just miss out against really good teams by small incremental plays. So, okay, maybe that's me pulling a silver lining, but I was surprised to hear that. I I was surprised to hear the outrage for guys like Seth Jones and Connor Murphy. I know a lot of people aren't gigantic Seth Jones fans. I I disagree with the majority of them. It's not his fault that he signed this massive contract, and if you were in his position, wouldn't you do the same? Willing to bet all of you would. And Connor Murphy brings so much to the table I'm not ready to hound on him for one mistake that he makes that leads to a goal. When again, he was the direct result of the Blackhawks picking up a goal earlier on in the game. Chatted with Ryan Donato about the upcoming schedule, I should say the continued schedule for the Hawks that just seems to continue to be so difficult. I want to talk about that, and I also want to talk about what Connor Bedard said on Saturday addressing all the media attention that he's been getting. I mean, this is the second straight week we're talking about the media dealing with Connor Bedard and Connor Bedard dealing with the media. But if you didn't hear what he had to say, you need to. That and more coming up next, Blackhawks Live, 720 WGN. Yeah, last year this is when I was reminded that that's not Johnny B. Good. I was once again ready to make a Jonathan Taves reference, but that is fun, fun, fun by the Beach Boys. Uh, And this is Blackhawks Live, which is also fun, fun, fun. Jack Heinrichs, our producer. I'm Joe Brand. If you haven't looked at the Blackhawks' schedule lately, their next game tomorrow night against the Boston Bruins, a team they just played in Boston's home opener a couple of weeks ago. Then it's out to Vegas. We saw how tough the Vegas Golden Knights were at the United Center. Now the Hawks play them in Vegas on Friday. After that, Arizona next Monday. Okay, after that, Florida, next Saturday. They just went to the Cup. After that, New Jersey. After that, Tampa Bay. After that, Florida again. After that, Tampa Bay again. The schedule does not lighten up until the week before Thanksgiving. You get Nashville, Buffalo, Columbus, but Toronto. And let's also face it, the Blackhawks are probably not going to be a playoff team this year. So the majority of their competition is going to be on paper better than them. 
and a taller mountain to climb. Boy, how about the Detroit Red Wings? Hate to say it, Hawks fans. Five straight wins. Alex Dabrinka with a hat trick yesterday. What does he have? Eight goals with the Red Wings? Ah, you hate to see it. But I, I understand it. If, if we want to go down that road later, we can. Uh, the Hawks do visit the Detroit Red Wings, by the way. The last game of November on the 30th. But anyway, I was talking to Ryan Donato about this today. And I said, how do you kind of keep this balanced? How do you go with the flow of this tough schedule that begins the year? And we've talked to Luke Richardson about it, and he's pulled the positive from it as well, saying how, you know, at least we're getting these real tough games out of the gate, and you know you're going to have to play play these tough teams. So, all right, let's do these right now. Let's kind of see where we stand with this team. Let's have some tough and hard competition. If you remember last year, the Blackhawks were a very chameleon team. They played better against better teams. They kind of played to their competition. Hopefully, that continues to be the case. I think it it has been so far, other than the Montreal and Colorado games. But something that Ryan Donato said, which I appreciated, was this is the beginning of the year. Everyone's still jacked to be playing hockey, to get back into the rhythm of playing NHL games and getting into the NHL routine. So, All right, let's get amped up for these games. Let's get ready to play all these Stanley Cup teams or these President Trophy teams. Let's do it. Let's do it now. And and it makes sense because think how different it would would be if they had this stretch, I don't know, in the middle of January after the All-Star break. might be a little bit more difficult to get up. I still think that's one of Luke Richardson's strongest suits is getting his team prepared, at least that's what we saw last year, getting his team revved up for high-quality, high-intense games when, on paper, the roster may not have been as talented as you would have hoped. But that's why we were so pleased with how Luke Richardson did last season. Last week, we talked a lot about Connor Bedard and the circus that entails every time he comes off the ice into the locker room and how it's pretty much the same both on the road and at home. I talked about the differences last week. If you want to go back and listen to those, you can get those where you get your podcasts. And we talked about a certain Toronto writer that was upset that Connor Bedard didn't talk to the media after the game or before the game, even though he did chat with the media in Toronto the day before. But after Saturday's game in Vegas, and if you haven't heard this, you gotta, he kind of confronted for the first time what it's been like to really been dealing with this each and every day, which is something he has been used to, but not to this level and not to this extent. And here's what he had to say. I mean, um, it's been been pretty wild. I think, uh, you know, ever since kind of before campish, it's been, been crazy, but it's not something I look at as a negative at all. It's um, you know, I'm, I'm really grateful to be in the position I am, and um, there's very few people that you know get that opportunity, get to be as lucky. So um, I'm looking at it like that, and you know, I'm, I'm living out a dream, and, um, and I feel very fortunate for that. But you know, it is crazy and and uh, busy, and um, you know, I'm human too. I can get get a little tired, but uh, no, it's been it's been good, and um, just enjoying it. I think it's important to note how aware he is of this. And how he's being upfront and honest with that. 
But I also think that for the first time, you're noticing him kind of noticing what's going on and how it can be a burden, how it can be draining. He's not saying it is just yet, but it can be. He understands that that's there. But I do still think he's got the head on his shoulders that can get around that and can handle it and can continue to see it as a positive. Had a great chat with Jason Dickinson. I can't wait for you to hear it. He talks about his future, what's going on currently. He's a new dad and how much he's enjoying this new role with this new roster this year. Steve Ruxton as your news next from the Northwestern Medicine Newsroom. After that, Jason Dickinson, Blackhawks Live 720 WGN. Welcome back to Blackhawks Live on WGN Radio. We're talking with Blackhawks forward Jason Dickinson. And Jason, what have you enjoyed most about this year so far? I think we've got a great group of guys. Um, it's a good opportunity for everybody to come together, learn and grow, and and try to find who they are in this team. Uh, we've got a lot of young guys that um, are new to the league and a lot of veterans that have the opportunity to lead the way and, and take a big step here. Who do you feel you are on this team? I feel like I have become a veteran now, somebody that uh, needs to use his voice and his game to help teach and show some of the young guys the good things that can come from the D zone in particular. That's where my bread and butter is, so I think that's uh, that's the biggest part for me. What have you learned about yourself in that new role? Um, I learned I like to teach. Um, I don't know if it's from being controlling and trying to, uh, uh, you know, make everybody think I'm right. But uh, I, I like to I like to give my two cents and see what other guys have to say too. Uh, along with teaching, I like to learn. So, um, you know, some of these young guys will have tips for me that I can implement and and use. And I think that's uh, that's definitely something that I've learned about myself. I don't mean to jump too far ahead, but uh, do you think you'd explore a career of coaching then because of this? Yeah, absolutely. I've always enjoyed... that aspect of the game, the the breaking down of video, breaking down other teams, um, breaking down your team, and and finding what works um, for your group. Uh, there's not necessarily one recipe that works for a coach. I think a coach needs to be flexible and and recognize what the group is. And I think that's something that I've uh, I've learned over the years that I definitely enjoy to analyze and and I guess. Uh, uh, watch in a sense that I like to see what is out there Um, so I think that coaching could be in the pipeline for me I don't know at what level or uh, at what uh, commitment Um, you know I want to give my wife a chance to uh, have her two cents before I start (laughs) saying hey we're going to move across the country so I can coach again Um, but definitely I would get into minor hockey Um, the kids play I will be there coaching for sure Um, nephews, nieces, whoever it is, I think I would love to get my uh, hands involved. Definitely want to get into the family aspect in a minute, but what have you appreciated from Luke Richardson's approach with looking at video? Because we, we kind of question him on it a lot, and he talks about not just showing the bad, but also showing the good, not just showing the good, but the bad. I mean, what, what have you appreciated from his approach? Yeah, I think there needs to be a balanced approach to it, because I've been in situations where I know going into a video session that there's going to be a few clips of mine that are not going to be so good, Um, not just here, but in other places. And um, I've been in some situations where I'll feel like I've played a good game and all I see is negatives. Um, And 
for young players in particular, I think it's hard to manage that and understand that uh, it's not easy to uh, handle sometimes and that your coaches are going to see everything because they have the power of pause um, and you got to be able to separate from that and, and say, I know what I did well and move on and Luke has done a good job of showing both aspects making sure that you feel um, good about your game but also understand that you need to learn and that there are areas that are not going to be perfect in the game um, it's not to single anybody out and it's just so that we can get better as a group and, and move forward not too long ago we were talking about the difference of the leadership dynamic in this room because of Taves and Kane not being here anymore and and Obviously, those are legends. Obviously, those are guys that their numbers will be in the rafters. No one's going to forget what they did. But it's allowed people like you to kind of take over a leadership role a little bit more. I mean, have have you really embraced that? Like, have you taken a step back and soaked in, like, this is a great opportunity for me. I can't let it slip? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think we have a lot of good voices in the room. Um, so I think in particular for me, it's picking and choosing when to uh, speak up because um, if I'm just talking the whole time, I get tuned out. But um, if I pick my moments and I pick my battles and I, I talk to guys one-on-one -on -one more so, I think it has more of an impact that in that sense. Um, so I think my leadership style isn't necessarily going to be um, obvious and it's not going to be out there for everybody to see, but it's going to be the guys that... Um, you know, I see a little play. I want to pull him to the side quickly and just, you know, give him a quick two cents. I don't need to call him out in front of the group. I don't need to uh, be yelling between periods or anything. But um, if it does get to that between periods, we know it's pretty bad. <laughs> um, but, yeah, that's going to be my approach, I think, is, is try to approach guys one-on-one -on -one to help them get better that way. Talk about Jason Dickinson here on Blackhawks Live. You're a dad now? <laughs> yeah, she's, uh, she's about three months now. How's that whole adjustment going? It's been great. My uh, my wife's been killing it, so uh, it takes a lot off my plate. Um, but she's been a, a really good baby. We've been really lucky. Like she's she's made it very easy on us to uh, transition to this uh, this point in life. So you're getting enough sleep. Yeah, I am. When I'm tired, I unfortunately can't use her as my crutch to say this is why. It's it's just I'm tired. <laughs> we were kind of talking to Taylor Hall about this, also a new dad. I mean, wh where is the challenge of when, when you have to be away from home? I mean, this, this is an important stage of your new life and your daughter's new life. I mean, how do you balance that? How do you not to get, get too hard on yourself about that? Yeah, I um, understand that I, I don't have a choice. Yeah. Um, Obviously, I chose this life and I chose hockey and um, everything that comes with it. So there's many benefits that we'll see down the line because of it. Um, in this moment right now, those those moments do suck when I get pictures and videos from my wife uh, while I'm on the road and they're they're hanging out. Um, those moments suck, and I see the the progressions and the achievements over video it, it, it is what it is and uh, I can't beat myself up about it I'll, I'll be there uh, 100% when I can be there and uh, give her everything I've got when I'm uh, at the house um, but yeah uh, just try to enjoy every moment that I am with her because uh, when we go on the road sometimes these, these long road trips um, they can really take it out of you but uh, you know we got home at 4am the other day and 
she woke up at I think 4:30, and I wasn't even mad. So it's those moments that it, it'll be okay, um, knowing that she's happy to see me, and, and the smile on her face will, will light me up. So yeah, try, try to take those moments in. That's cool. Uh, kind of coincidental too that I know lines have been shuffling up a lot, but you've been playing a lot with Nick Foligno and Corey Perry, not only veterans but kind of veteran dads too. What, what have you enjoyed most about picking their brains from? Yeah, I, I got lucky to play with uh, Perez in Dallas as well. So um, I've been around him for a couple of years now, and he's a fantastic guy for me to play with. Um, picking his brain as a hockey player, he's extremely smart. Uh, knows the knows the rink like the back of his hand. He he just sees the ice extremely well. Um, uh, Fligs or Felino, uh, he is very similar. He's been around for almost as long and played for some very good teams and um you know he he knows how to win he knows how to play the game the right way and uh him and i have had a lot of chances to talk about uh different coverages pk all 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 kinds of things to try to get good chemistry among one another and then as dads um yeah they talk a lot about hockey hockey with their kids their kids are getting into that age now where they're uh they're super excited about being at the rink seeing all the guys uh going to the rink themselves um i think griff was there after the game uh the other night and he was telling me about how he scored a goal 90 seconds into the game and he's just so proud and so yeah it's cool to see that that side of it and that they're getting to the age now where hockey means something to their kids you know my my daughter's too young she doesn't understand but uh seeing how hockey has an impact on them is is pretty cool because you know it's it's going to be generational for them that's got to help with those tough days right like knowing that this is what life could be like just in a short while yeah absolutely um that's that's what we're looking forward to is uh when life is like that it's going to be it's going to be real good it's going to be all worth it and all the grinding and uh the, the the late nights and the long road trips she'll be able to embrace the, those days like uh like pairs and flakes kids can all right last one because you're in a unique spot where you your first introduction to Corey perry is with being a teammate so you see all his positives right away um for a lot of other people it's dealing with him as an opponent and and not liking him too much and now seeing the good side about him so I mean, what, what was your main takeaway from first being with Corey perry and i don't know do you ever have to defend him from the other side like oh, he is a good guy just don't like playing against him yeah, a couple times. Um, <laughs> honestly, when he first got uh, to us in Dallas, I was uh, talking to Cogliano, and uh, he had played with him for a long time in Anaheim. And I, on, I just knew a little bit from playing against him. I, I had only played maybe a handful of games against Perry, so his reputation uh, was definitely out there. Um, but Cogs reassured everybody he's a fantastic guy he's going to fit right in with the group he's going to be an amazing guy to be around and and sure enough uh can't say enough good things about Paris. like i love being around him he's a fantastic guy in the locker room um and that was the message i had to send to a couple of guys <laughs> whenever i uh, whenever i got asked the question you know is is he really that that much of a pest uh, or is he just, you know, doing his job? And, and sure enough, he is just doing his job. You know, he knows who he is and what he's good at, and, and he definitely does it well. It's Jason Dickinson. Jason, thank you very much. Yeah, absolutely. My pleasure. A lot more Blackhawks Live 720 WGN. Man, not only is September long gone, but October's just flying by. Got two weeks left. No, sorry, a week left? Man. I'm Joe Brand. This is Blackhawks Live. We're wrapping things up, and our producer, Jack Heinrich, 
gets the floor for our last segment. Jack, what's going on, man? Nothing much. Thanks, Joe. Um, basically, what you are talking about earlier with that pregame ceremony for the opener um, was really cool. It's, we haven't seen the United Center like that, um, that much energy in it in a while. Um, and it was it was really cool to see. I mean, Bedard obviously got a pretty big cheer. And then I thought it was interesting. Corey Perry got a pretty good cheer. It's probably top five on the team. And then when they announced Luke Richardson, I feel like not a lot of people have talked about this, but he got a pretty good uh, reception as well. And some like Luke chance. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, I, I mean, I know we've talked a lot about how we like Luke Richardson and what he's done, but it's, it's kind of cool to see the fans appreciating what he's built so far more than the wins and losses. Yeah, I agree. Cause I mean, let's face it. I mean, Blackhawks fans are a niche. I mean, this this is always going to be a Bears town. That'll always be the case. But there is a, a strong foundation of hockey fans. But it takes a lot to get just the casual sports fans to get excited about the Blackhawks. And I think that's happening right now. Mm-hmm. And I think Saturday was an example of it. But, man, it, it just worked out so well that Bedard scored when he did. Oh, And yeah. how he did. And right after that whole ceremony, I, I think it was Troy that was mentioning, you know, what if he doesn't score on Saturday night? And then what if he doesn't score tomorrow? And then all of a sudden, it starts to build and people start to question, not question, but but talk about it at least. That's a good point, yeah. And, but it, but again, it just, it also goes to show you, like, because here's the thing, if he doesn't score, if it takes a while for him to have the two goals even that he has right now, Think about how much we would be talking about why isn't he finding the score sheet right now? Why why isn't he getting on the board? But he has. And I do think you have to credit that to how much of a an elite scorer he is, how much of a point producer he is. He's doing that at 18 years old in the NHL. You got to point that out. You got to give credit to that because if it were the other way, the conversations would be more extreme. Yeah, definitely. I mean, he's He's been, I mean, we've talked about it a bunch, just so impressive and and like just being with him in the locker room, he's so mature. We played that cut earlier and he understands that he's the next face and everybody wants to wants a piece of him, I guess, when especially when they go on the road and again tomorrow they're on ESPN. So I'm sure he'll be doing a bunch of stuff and it was I mean, him scoring early, I mean, just right after that, every time he touched the puck after, you could hear a buzz after and I think that contributed to it him scoring early. Um, some of the casual fans maybe were watching or there, and they see all oh, like, oh, this guy's a real deal. He just scored right off the rip. So it's going to be a fun year, especially here in the winter months. Something to look forward to every other day and um, follow along because this is the be this is hopefully the beginning of something really great. We're not entirely sure, but we do think that the last Blackhawk to score his first goal on his first shot at the United Center. That's the very important part of that stat. At the United Center, their first shot to go in for a goal. It's got to be Jonathan Taves. Yeah. I, I mean, I I can't think of another player that scored in their debut at the United Center, um, let alone on their first shot. That's just, if that is indeed correct, and again, I'm like 95% sure that that's <laughs> the case. I mean, what a parallel and especially because of what everyone is holding up this kid to be yeah. and what they want him to be and the example of what was accomplished here with Jonathan Taves because there's a very good chance that next year Connor Bedard is the captain of this Blackhawks team at 19 years old. Guess who was the last guy to do that? Right. So 
I mean, that, that, that that's just like written in the stars, if, if that is the case. But, but again, the Hawks do such a good job of those pregame ceremonies. Oh, yeah. I mean, you don't even have to be a hockey fan. No. You don't even have to be a sports fan to, to get the hair on the back of your neck raised during those things. I thought the Rocky tribute was fantastic. Um, something I've noticed is a, a lot of times Danny Wirtz will talk about Rocky's legacy, you know, Rocky's bar that's coming to the United Center and, you know, the absence of now no longer having Rocky. And he always he always calls him Rocky. Yeah. But in that video, it starts off with a collage of everyone saying, Dear Rocky, Dear Rocky, Dear Rocky, and then Danny Ward sits down and it says, Dear Dad. Um, I don't know if that's, you know, I might be looking too much into that. I do think maybe that's that's a way for Danny Wirtz to kind of separate Rocky Wirtz as, you know, his boss and the guy who ran the Hawks and the chairman of the Hawks and then also his dad. Like, I'm sure... There's probably two different personas there. There's two different right. personalities there. Um, and maybe he even knew his dad as the boss and Rocky a little bit more than he knew him as his dad. But, you know, with the emotion that was displayed by he and his sisters and the entire family, I mean, it just goes to show you what a loss, what a gut punch that is to to lose the Hawks chairman this past summer. And, I mean, what a way to honor him and, and move into this next year. But... um That's going to do it for Blackhawks Live. A big thanks to Jason Dickinson. A big thanks to the Blackhawks. Big thanks to our producer, Jack Heinrich. Our next broadcast is tomorrow night. The Hawks hosting the Boston Bruins. Game two at the United Center. 7.30 puck drop. 7 o'clock FanDuel Sportsbook pregame show right here on 720 WGN. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Thanks for listening.